The Lord blessed me. We married for better, for worse. I couldn't do better. She couldn't do worse. But we, after almost 27 years, we're still hanging. All right. Good to see you all tonight. So thankful. Um, I had to try to remember not to breathe heavy in this. Sorry. Um, adjusting to all these things that I'm not quite used to. Um, so thankful to be here with you tonight and thankful for this study of Galatians. Who's been enjoying this study? We've had some phenomenal teachers uh, come up here and teach, and I thank every one of them and pray that the Lord will just anoint me to be clear that we may be able to continue that study tonight. Do I need to do anything? Just not breathe heavy in the mic? Okay. All right, so um, we're going to jump in. Um, if you want to go ahead and go to Galatians chapter 3, I will be jumping around, but I'm going to have all the scripture on the screen, but that by all means you does not say that you cannot jump into your own Bible and find it. I encourage both. And um, thank you again for the opportunity to share with you tonight. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, God, we just love you. And we just rejoice in you tonight. God, we thank you that you are a God and that you are still on the throne. That no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, God, that you reign. And you reign eternally. And we can place our faith in you. God, in our weakness, you are strong. God, no matter what thorns we may have in the flesh, no matter what struggles we walk through, in our weakness, God, your power is made perfect, and we just give you the praise for that. God, we ask for your presence to be here tonight. Anoint our hearts, anoint our ears, God. Anoint my lips and my mind to speak forth your word in clarity. God, teach us your ways, Lord, that we may walk in them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so tonight, um, I'm going to try to keep up. Do I need to? It wasn't doing that earlier. Am I doing anything wrong? Okay. If that bothers you too much, I can go to a handheld. You just Somebody let me know. Okay. All right. So tonight, we're going to be continuing in Galatians chapter 3. Pastor did a great job last week introducing the chapter. Um, I am going to do some review just because Galatians chapter 3 really builds on, on the scriptures. So um not to reteach anything that he taught, but just to go back and lay a foundation for where we will be tonight. So I'm actually going to start reading in verse 1. If you want to go there, um, the verse also should be on the screen here. Um, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So that's the question that's proposed to us tonight by Paul. As it was, has been told, this is the, the area, the Galatia area, and there's many churches. 
And what we have here is we have many Gentiles. Now, Gentiles are non-Jews. They're not raised in the Jewish heritage. They're not Jews by blood. But they're coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're coming to be saved um, by putting their faith in him. Well, then we have some Jews that said, hey, wait a minute. And Pastor did a great job illustrating this last week. That here you have Jews that said, wait a minute, Jesus was a Jew. It was the Father, God, who chose the Jewish nation to work through. And he gave us the law to follow. He gave us the the law so that we can strive to be righteous. So should not these Gentiles first become a Jew and observe the law, be circumcised, then put their faith in Christ and continue to observe the law. That was their argument. Should, this should happen. They, they, these Judaizers believe that this should happen. And I want to take you back to Acts chapter 15 because this story in Acts really illustrates this problem and what they did to resolve it. All right. So in Acts chapter 15, I'm going to start with verses 1 and 2. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch at Syria, so they were up at the churches at Antioch, the men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers what they were teaching. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. So what's this question? They're saying, unless you are circumcised, as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. So we have Paul and Barnabas traveling down to Jerusalem to address, to go before the apostles. Is this still working out? Okay. Sorry. He says, not worry about it. All right. To go down to Jerusalem to talk with the apostles, to talk with Peter, to talk with James. Do do Gentiles need to be circumcised? Do they need to follow the law in order to be righteous, in order to be saved? So let's see what happened. Verse 4, I'm skipping to. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and the elders. They reported everything God had done through them, everything that about the Gentiles being saved. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of Pharisees stood up and insisted. So even there, a group of Pharisees came with this argument, and here it is. The Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses in order for them to be saved there. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. So here's the issue again, and this is the meeting they're going to resolve. Verse 7, at the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts. If you want to see it up here, how did he cleanse their hearts? Through faith. 
So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors, talking about the Jewish ancestors, were able to bear? Verse 11, very important. We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what was the decision by the apostles? How should these Gentiles be saved? By the works of the law or simply by faith? By faith. All right, so skipping back to Galatians, I'm going to read verses 5 through 9 as a review as well. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. Whoa, let's stop for a minute. If you were a Jew, this is a big statement, so let's read it again. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. So who's the sons of Abraham? Those who are of faith. The Jews called themselves the sons of Abraham because they were physically descended from Abraham. And they felt like, because of their DNA, that they were the sons of Abraham. But here it says, by faith, verse 8, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So let's stop there. How was the gospel preached to Abraham? What was the saying? In you, and we're going to see, it's going to be specifically a descendant of Abraham, a seed of Abraham. In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Okay, so tonight, you know, this, when I was looking at this passage, it has a lot of deep stuff in it. Um, A little intimidating, I'll be honest, to teach. And I'm like, Lord, if I can't wrap my mind around it, how can I portray it to them? And so the Lord gave me some illustrations with skits. I say it was just to help me understand, but I'm just going to share them with you. And I have a lot of wonderful volunteers that have been put on the spot tonight and dressed in white (laughs) and their normal clothing to help. So I'm going to lead them through it. I've had a little bit of instruction, but not much. So I have some great people here at this church. Okay, we're going to be discussing the Abrahamic Covenant. So if George, if you'll come up, George will be playing the Lord tonight. All right, if you will stand right there in the back. Billy, if you will come up, we can sing Father Abraham had many sons. (laughs) He's going to be playing Abram or Abraham tonight. If you will stand beside the chair there. All right. So, in a minute, I'm going to bring the youth up. So, let's see. We've got a pair there. Rayland, do you have your pair? You have your buddy? Okay. If I can, I need um, four sets of two people. So, if you guys pick a buddy, eight of you. And I'm sorry whoever gets left out. (sighs) You might like that. Okay, so here we go. Um, Back, okay, the Abrahamic covenant. Let's go way, way back to the time of Abraham. Let me go ahead and use that. Is it on? 
They'll just turn it off down there. All right. So back in the time of Abraham, God made a covenant with Abraham. And at various times during his life, at times of struggle or maybe even at times of victory, he reconfirmed that covenant with him. So we're going to look a few at the, a, a few of those and kind of illustrate it to you tonight. So here we have, we're going to start, the very first time the covenant was given is in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So it'll be on the screen or you can go in your Bible. And George, playing the Lord, is going to read the Lord's parts. And Abram, um, Billy, will be reading the parts spoken by Abram. So here we go. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, it's good now. I think it's good. Yeah. You might have turned it off. Hit it again. Hold it. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Next page. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay. Thank you. And in that last statement, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We just heard that in Galatians. And I want you to pay attention to that you, because I'm going to explain it here in a minute. So to explain the you, I went over to Genesis chapter 22. Now, this was right after Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac, and the Lord provided a substitute. So the Lord is going to reaffirm the covenant to Abraham to Abraham here. And in this, it will explain a little more. When he says that same verse, in you all the nations shall be blessed, it's going to use a different word, and I want you to pay attention to that. And I'm just going to read this. Verse 16 of uh, Genesis 22, and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, and you have not withheld your son, your only son, blessings well, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemy. Verse 18, in your seed, now does that have an S on the end? No, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So here we have a beautiful presentation of the gospel all the way back. So, and I'm going to talk about it a little more, but Abraham was just told that in his descendants, there was going to come one in your seed that all the nations should be blessed. So let's go back to Genesis 15, and we're going to look at the Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, and how it was cut. So in Genesis 15, 1 through 6, we're going to have this. Um, so, Billy, you'll be speaking with uh, the Lord here, so Abram, if y'all want to face each other a little bit. Youth, if you want to come up in your pairs, here's our sacrifices. Let's give it up for them. <laughs> they have a hard job. Hallelujah. Come on up, guys. Okay, I just need um, two of you here. I just want to angle this way, like you're lining up with that aisle. Two here, two here, two here. And two here. Now, the two here will be the birds, and they'll be individually slain. We've got to have instructions on how to kill tonight. So I need two here and two in front. Now, guys, when you fall, everybody on this side, y'all line up here. The middle should be down my arm. Leela, 
Come over and see. This way. This way. This way. Just follow my arm. Just follow my lead. All right. There you go. Bend it and right here. Okay. So face out. Put your backs against each other. When Brother Abraham slays you, you're going to fall this way, you're going to fall that way, and you're going to leave a pathway in the middle. You guys are just two individual birds, so you get to stand alone. And each fall, just don't fall on the pole here. It will hurt. <laughs> okay, thank you guys for your patience. All right, here we go. Verse 1. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you gave me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And pay attention to this last verse. And he believed the Lord, and he accounted it to him as righteousness. So that's the ending in verse 6. We're going on to verse 7. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So I'm going to stop there just for a second. So here we have the Lord talking to Abram. Abram has just believed that God is going to multiply his descendants, that he's going to bring this seed out of him that will bless the nations. But Abram, a man like us, needs confirmation. How will I know? So in these days, the way that covenants were cut is that they would bring animals and cut them down the middle and lay the parts um, on two sides. And the responsible parties, the one that says, yes, I will uphold my end of the covenant, they would walk between. So you usually had both parties walking between the covenants. And what that symbolized, that is if I don't do the words that I have spoken and keep this covenant, I shall become, may I become like these animals that are laying here slain. So that was what we're going to see here. So here we go with the covenant. So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Okay. Then he brought all these things to him, and he cut them in two, down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two, he just individually slay them. <laughs> so fall birds. <laughs> Don't hit the pole there. There you go. Okay. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. So, George, if you just want to be walking back and forth. Now, this, the Lord, he is the one that walked between the pieces, but he was symbolized, which I didn't want to bring fire in the church, by a smoking oven and a flaming torch. 
And perhaps that symbolized later the pillar of cloud by day that would lead the Israelites to the desert and the fire by night. So, but it represented the Lord. But I want you to notice who was walking amidst, who was cutting the covenant? Who was signing the covenant here? You have the Lord, yeah, doing that. So let's finish this. Um, It says, on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Okay, thank you guys. Youth, you can come back to life and go sit down, but don't go far. I'll use you again. Um, you just, George, if you will come and stand by this pole here, and Billy, stay asleep. <laughs> All right, he's got a tough job. Okay, so who was the covenant between? Who, who were the two parties of the covenant? Abram and the Lord, yes. Who signed it? Who said, I will be responsible for this? The Lord alone. And what was Abram's part? He wasn't a part, but but right before that, it said he believed the Lord, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So he believed. That's the only part we see him playing is faith. And what was the covenant sealed with? Blood and the death of the animals. And whom did will all the nations be blessed? Who did it say? Abram's seed. Who is that? Singular. Who would be descend you from the Messiah, from Abram, sorry. Who would, would descend from Abraham that would one day bring a blessing to all the nations, including us? Jesus. Jesus is from the direct line of Abraham. So praise the Lord. All right. So there we have that covenant. Um, so right now I'm going to give just another illustration. So we have the Lord here. George here is, you know, about six feet tall, about like this pole here. And he has a standard of holiness. He has a standard of righteousness. Well, Abram, God made a covenant with him. God was going to bring a blessing. He presented the gospel to him. He was going to bring the Messiah. But Abraham, did he have to work? So we're going to show that. So, George, if you will just, do you need me to hold your notes for a minute? Um, Just go over, reach out your hand, and pull him over here. Because we're going to say, you can wake up, Brother Abraham. (laughs) So what I want to show you just by that simple act, the standard of holiness, the standard of righteous, Abram, he didn't say, Abram, go and do this. Go and be circumcised. No, you must go do this and this and this. He said, no, Abram believed God. And it was credited to him as righteous. He brought him up to the standard. Thank you, guys. Um, Let's see. Billy, um, you can sit down. And if you'll sit in the chair now, Billy exits. (laughs) And I'll give you your notes back. Thank you, Billy. Father Abraham. Okay. So let's move on. So Abram achieved how did he achieve that standing of righteous? And I know I'm going over, but that's how we learn things. It was by faith that he, he um, believed God and it was accounted to him for righteous. Did he work for it? No. Romans 4, 3 through 5 says, so for what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift but is due. 
and to the one who does not work like Abraham sleeping over there, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And that's the good news for us, the blessing that came. All right, thank you guys. Let's look at the Mosaic Covenant now. All right. So we're going to have a lot of Old Testament references. We're going to go to Galatians, the next part, 10 through 14. So I'm going to read, if you want to read along with me in your Bibles. Um, For all who rely on works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. That's Habakkuk 2.4. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. For Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And that is a passage from the Old Testament. So Jesus became the curse so that we might receive the blessing. So remember that there. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So we have a lot of Old Testament references, and we're going to go over those in a minute. So right now, though, we're going to look at the Mosaic Covenant. So we have Moses here tonight, and again, the Lord. And the youth, would you mind coming up again? Um, however many, maybe four, five, whatever, it doesn't matter. You don't have to stand back to back, just stand in the general area. And this time when you're slain, you can fall anywhere you want, just not on this pole. <laughs> okay? Elijah is going to be playing, playing, playing the role of, the, of the sons, one of the sons of the Israelites. Okay, so let's go. And Exodus 24, verses 3 through 6. Oh, and you guys get to be a part of the skit. You didn't know that tonight, did you? You are the congregation of the Israelites. So you will have a role too. Your lines will be in purple, okay? Okay. All right. So Moses came. So here we have Moses. You can just step up here to the front, Brother Moses. And told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And the people answered with one voice and said, We will do good. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel, grab the sword, who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. Sorry, guys, don't look good for y'all. He's so gentle with that. All right, thank you. (laughs) And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar, the altar for now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and then in verse 7, then he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people. Now, it didn't give, in order to really illustrate this, I just grabbed a passage out of Deuteronomy where Moses is actually reading some of the laws. And so that's what he's going to read, Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 16. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, 
and, and that I command you today by loving the, the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will, will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. And verse 7, last part, and they said... Wow, and be what? Obedient to some of the words that the Lord has said? All of the words that the Lord has said. All right, and Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, This this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. All right, thank you. Um, Y'all just want to freeze for a minute. We're going to ask a few questions. Who are the two parties in this covenant? We have the Lord and the people. And Moses was included in the people there. So there's the people. Who signed the covenant this time? Who agreed to be responsible? The people. The Lord for his part and the people. Um, By their words, they agreed. Was it conditional this time on the people's works? Yes. The verse that he read... Verse 16 said, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, and it goes on at the end, it says, then you shall live. So in order for them to live, to have life, they had to obey the covenant. All right. How was this one sealed? The blood and death of animals. All right. You, thank you guys. I think you're done for tonight, but you can stay in here and listen. Appreciate it. All right, if you guys will just stay. So let's look at that a little deeper. How serious was that, that of this covenant? In Deuteronomy 27, this was referenced in Galatians 3. It said, cursed is the one. So there's a curse coming upon the one who does not confirm all the words of the law by observing them. And the people shall say... Amen. So you just agree to observe every word of the law or you will be cursed. This was according to, remember, you're playing the people of the Israelites here. So James 2 and 4 kind of reaffirms that in the New Testament. He says, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. Has anyone failed in a point of the law in the commandments? Yes, and so guess what? Guilty of it all. Pretty serious there. But it doesn't stop there, guys. It gets even worse. Let's look in Leviticus 19, verses 1 through 4. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall... uh... Revere, got it? I'm sorry, Okay, yeah, see, revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make yourselves any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. So here we have Moses, the Lord through Moses, speaking his law again to the people, but he actually summed it up in the very beginning with two words. You shall be holy. And okay, we don't stop there as who is holy. 
for I am the Lord your God and holy. So we're to be holy as he is holy. That's, that's pretty serious. But let's go to the New Testament. And this is the Sermon of the Mount. Jesus is giving, um, is talking about parts of the law. He's saying, as it was said, but then he's going to intensify it by looking at the heart. So George, uh, the Lord, will you, Jesus, now read Matthew 20? Uh, verses 20 through 22, and then he's going to skip to 27 through 28. For I say to you that unless the, your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever, uh, you have heard that it but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And verse 27. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Thank you. If you'll stop there for now. So if you remember during the days of Jesus, there were many scribes and Pharisees who felt like that they had achieved that righteousness, that they could, that they had walked according to the law and that were righteous. But Jesus kind of burst that bubble because he said, wait a minute. I know you may say, you know what? I've never killed somebody. I've never lied. I've never cheated. I've always been faithful to my spouse. But Jesus said, wait a minute. Have you ever hated your brother? Have you ever been angry with him in your heart? Have you ever lusted upon a woman or for a woman? Have you lusted upon a man? You know, look at the heart. God's standards is from his nature, from who he is. And so he he showed us the inability for us to reach the righteousness of the law through uh, works. And if you go to the end of Matthew 5, the very last scripture, George, if you want to read that, it sums it up again, and it's not good news. I mean, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So if the be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy was too abstract with you, how about this one? Be perfect. And this is not, the Lord doesn't grade on a curve, does he? Oh, you know, I did the best I can, Lord. No, he says, be perfect as who? Just as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's a pretty high standard, guys. It's a high standard that I know that I could never reach and that, that no one could. All right, so thank you, Moses. So that was the Mosaic Covenant. Um, George, if you'll come over here and stand by the pole. Alethea, Miss Alethea, would you like to come up and join us? Come on, sweetie. We have a great little cute volunteer tonight. Come here and just stand right here by your dad. Okay, so now I'm going to bring her over. I'm going to have you stand to see the rocks right there. Be careful not to let your shoes hurt them. Now here we have a measuring tape. Now, it's not really true, but we know she's probably around three, three and a half feet tall. So that's where she's measuring. George is somewhere around six feet. Okay. So when I said, if I said, Alethea, I want you to be like your daddy. I want you to be six feet tall. So if she comes up and stands by a measuring tape, was that going to get her to six feet tall? No. No, she's still three, three and a half feet right there. So, but it does teach us some things. So what does this teach us just in the natural here? One, we know how tall the standard is. 
We know it's six feet tall. That's where George's is. That's where we want Alethea to get to. So we know where we want her to get, the standard. And we also know where she's at. About, you know, it measures there. But it also highlights something. What's this? How far she has to go, what she lacks, where she can't get on her own, and where this standard has no ability to get her there. She needs help. Well, let's look at that according to the law. In the same way, the measuring tape can represent the law or the way of reaching God's standards of holiness. So does coming up under the law help you to become righteous? Just like this, no. But it does help us with some things. So let's go back to Galatians. I skipped a few verses. I will come back to them. So in Galatians 3, 19 through 25, read along with me in your head. You don't have to say it out loud. All right, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of the tra- of transgressions till the seed should come whom the promise was made and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not, for he- if there had been a law given, so if the law... Um, given, could truly have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin. It silenced us, guys. We know where we can get to. So we have no argument against God. We can't get there. So it's confined us all under sin that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Verse 24, listen to this one. Therefore, the law was our tutor, our schoolmaster, our guardian, there's different versions that say different things, to bring us to Christ. So why was the law given? To be our tutor, to show us the need for Christ. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. That we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we're no no longer under a tutor. So what does the law teach us? It teaches us, just like it taught us about him being six feet, it teaches us about God's character, who he is. By reading the law, we know that God's loving. He says us to love our neighbors. We know that he's just, that he's not a thief. He's not a robber because he says don't steal. You know, and if you steal something, pay it back and add, add interest to it. You know, so through his laws, we learn about God and who he is and his standard that he has for us. Well, it also teaches us the knowledge of sin. Just that it showed us how high she goes to, we can also learn about what sin is and about ourselves. We learn that we're not to kill, that it's wrong to kill, it's wrong to steal, it's wrong to hurt others. So we learn these things. But then again, the law also does what? What else does it teach us? That's this. How much we lack. It shows us our desperate need for help to attain the righteousness of God. How can we walk with him eternally if we are here sinful? Because our, our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. So we're here. So it teaches us 
that we fall short, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, Lethia, if you can, I want you to jump up to reach that standard, to reach your daddy's height. But be careful, don't hit the pole. Jump, try to do it. Can you do it? Keep doing it. You come on, big jumps, big jumps. You know, we might have good days, and we come and we look shiny and good, but you know what? We fall right back down. So, our righteousness is as filthy rags. And all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, Alethea, would you, um, you know what? I forgot to have the Lord put this up, his standard. There's tape right there. Just stick it right there. It says, the Lord be holy as I am holy, or be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So, Alethea, thank you. I'll use you good in a minute. If you want to go back to your mama and... George, if you'll just go to the um, back of the room there. All right. So let's go back to those verses we missed. Thank you, guys. All right. So Galatians, Galatians 3, verses 15 through 18. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant. Yet, if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now... To Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say into seeds as of many, but as of one. And this next, this part I like. And to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law which was 430 years later cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ. In other words, the Mosaic covenant that we just saw here, given to Moses and the Israelites, cannot annul the covenant made with Abraham that was made by faith. Because that was where the promise was given that the Messiah would come and bless all the nations would be blessed. And then the law was given, why? To teach us about God, to teach us about sin, and to show, to point us to our need for a Savior. That we cannot go from here to here without help. So, um... The seed, we said, the seed in all, all the nations shall be blessed is Christ. This is just some points I'm reiterating. And the Mosaic covenant cannot abolish the the Abrahamic. The Abrahamic covenant was made hundreds of years before, but does a newer contract abolish an old? Now, we bought a house two years ago. So guys, we bought a house. We made a deal with the owner. We signed the contract. We gave the money, and the owner gave us the deed. So let's say one of you guys decide that you like our house. And you want to buy it. So you go to the previous owner tomorrow and say, hey, I wanted to buy that house. I'll give you double. And you guys sit down and make a contract. You pay him double. He says, okay, the house is yours. Does that annul my contract? Do I have to move out? Does it work that way? No. No. So neither did the Mosaic Covenant abolish the Abrahamic Covenant, the covenant by faith. So then we have another covenant. We have the new covenant. What, let's learn about it. And does it abolish the Mosaic covenant? So go to Jeremiah 31, verse, uh, chapter 31, verse 31. And let's read here. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant 
Listen to which covenant this is. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and led them at, to lead them out of the land of Egypt. So the Mosaic covenant. My covenant, which they broke. Remember, that was conditional on your works. That they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And I'm skipping down to the very last part. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Praise the Lord. And we see this reconfirmed. Where was this new covenant sealed? The other covenants were sealed by blood. And by death. So let's look in the New Testament. And 1 Corinthians gives us some insight in verse 11, um, chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. Paul speaking, For I received from the Lord that's what, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, listen. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Jesus sealed with his blood and his death the new covenant with the Lord. But did it abolish the old? Matthew 5, again, let's look at verses 17 and 18. Jesus speaking here. Don't think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. So no. Jesus did not come to abolish the Mosaic covenant or the Abrahamic covenant. He came to fulfill the, the law, the covenant of Moses. He fulfilled it in three ways. All right, George. So not, not walking just yet. Let me introduce you. He's representing Jesus now, the new covenant. So how did Jesus fulfill the law? Because he didn't come to abolish. How did he fulfill it? Fulfilled it? So his walk to the front um, up here is going to represent Jesus' walk on this earth. Because by his life, he fulfilled the covenant. So George, come on. Because so, we know that there was only one man that's ever walked his entire life with no sin, fulfilling every requirement of the law. And that was Jesus Christ. Because in John 8, Jesus said, For I always do the things that please him, talking about his Father. And in 1 Peter 2, in 20, 21 and on, it says that Jesus left, suffered for us and left an example so for us to follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. So there was no sin he fulfilled everything. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he fulfilled the law by his life. He also fulfilled the law by his death. Guess what? He paid the requirements, the penalty of the law for us. 
Remember it talked about in Jeremiah about how they broke the covenant? None of us could ever, by our works, attain the righteousness standard of God. We had all fallen short of the glory of God. We had all sinned. And so he paid, he died in our place. He fulfilled that requirement of the law, that the soul that sins shall die. That the wages of sin is death. But guess what? The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he fulfilled the law by his death. Thank God that I don't have to fulfill that requirement of the law because it would be eternal death. So little Lethia, come on up here. So again, here we are trying to meet that requirement of the Lord and have patience. This is going to be under your head for a minute, okay? So here we are. We're covered with the shroud of death because we could not keep the law. We could not obtain righteousness on our own. So we have eternal death, separation from the Lord. And so by his death, he took the death for us so we can live. So just throw that death off of her because he freed us from the law of sin and death that we can be free. Thank you, sweetie. You can just keep standing right there. All right. So the third way, he made, us, he made a way. How did he fulfill the law? He made a way for us to fulfill the law in him because when we were in Christ, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of the Lord that dwells, that raised him from the dead, dwells in us. We are empowered by the spirit to walk according, by faith, to walk according in righteousness. Um, So it says in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live In the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Philippians 3 and 9 says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And that reminds me of a scripture in Galatians we've looked at tonight, verse 14. And it says, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, that that blessing that came by faith, might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith, our helper, the one that helps us live in victory in this earth So let's look at, we're about to wrap up. We've got a few more verses. Galatians 3, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So here we have the standard, God's righteousness. We know we can't get it. The law shows us we are in desperate need of help. Well, Abraham, you remember that skit in the beginning? The Lord, he believed the Lord and he credited it to him righteousness. So it was by faith. So Alethea, will you turn and look at your daddy and just throw your arms up, both of them, in the air, by faith. And so as she believes, George, scoop her up. Look where she's at, guys. Is there effort on her own? No. She just clings. Guys, we just cling to our Savior. As we cling to our Savior, guess what? 
We have the righteousness of Christ. We are in him, and we are his, and it's just a beautiful thing. There's no struggling. There's no strife. There's no jumping. It's just clinging to him, surrendering. But, guys, it is a surrender because remember the Galatia churches? What were they doing? What were they trying to do? And that's why Paul called them foolish because they were trying to do the works of the law to obtain righteousness, at the same time believing in Christ by faith. So, Alethea, are you willing to let your daddy dangle you by your feet? So get down there and you do your righteous work there, and you try to also trust in the Lord. Where is she now? Is she here? No. There's no way that we can obtain righteousness or salvation by doing it our own way, but yet still trying to keep our toes in the Lord. We have to surrender everything to him. Thank you. Thank you for hanging upside down, sweetie. So in the same way, that's why Paul said, you foolish Galatians. It wasn't that he was trying to make fun of them. It was just utterly ridiculous. So what in your life are you trying to prove to the Lord for your own salvation, for your own righteousness? Lord, look, I'm going to do this for you today. I'm going to prove to you, God, that I can do these things. And all he's saying is, trust me. Cling to me. Surrender to me. Let me empower you by my spirit that you can live in this world in victory because I have overcome the world. And that's where our victory comes from. That's where we can reach God's standard. Elijah, did you go get those little guys for me? Will you go get them for me? Okay. All right, we've got one more group. So um, while I'm waiting for them to come in, I'm going to read one verse that... um, No, I'll wait on that for a second. I would like Billy, I would like Abraham and Moses to come back up. Um, This is only because George has um, represented Jesus tonight, but George is really still a human, and he cannot hold about five or six children on his own. So they're going to help him, but this is all representing Jesus. So if you want to think Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, whatever works for you, okay? This is just because he's real human. All right. All right, so I'll go ahead and introduce them, this, this part. So I'm going to have the kids come in, and I'm going to read the last verses in Galatians, Galatians 27 through 29. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is either, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So, guys, how do we all come to Jesus? You know, it says there's neither Jew nor Greek because the Jews thought that they should be the ones, that they should do it this way. And the Greeks, you know, maybe were secondary. There were slaves that maybe were thought secondary. Well, what about us? We might say, well, you know, that's for the Billy Grahams. You know, I'm a drug addict. You don't know my past. You know, I've done this or I've done this. But what does the scripture say? He says there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither Billy Grahams nor prostitutes. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither drug addicts or Mother Teresa's. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. We're all on level ground. How do we come to the Lord? How do we be saved? How do we live for him? 
by faith. So you guys, as I read this scripture one more time, they're just going to represent all the different people. And I just want you to see how they're scooped up. Just like you, no matter where you've been, what you've done, we are all one in Christ Jesus. That's fine. So here we go. For as many of you that were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abram's, Abraham's seed and heirs of the promise. So guys, look, it's by faith. Just cling, just hold. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you've done. We're all heirs according to the promise that was given through Abraham. And Romans 3, verses 21 through 24 says, But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. For even the righteousness of God, through faith in Christ Jesus, to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And I'll close with these scriptures. Jesus answered in John 6 when they were asked about what is the work of God, and he said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. And in John 20, John wrapped up his books and said, these are, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Tina, I don't know if you have a song you want to play on the keyboard. If not, that's fine. Let's, let's just go to the Lord in prayer and close up tonight. Jesus, we just thank you. God, I thank you that it's by faith that I am saved. God, because when I look at the standard that you have, there's no way. God, because my righteousness on my own is as filthy rags. God, and if I err in one part of the law, I am guilty of it all. So I stand silenced before you and before your standard. But God, there is a glory, there is a hope, and that hope that we glory in is Christ Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, God, that we are all one in Christ and that it's by faith that we are saved. And I don't know, Lord, as I look out tonight... I don't know what people are dealing with, God. I don't know their struggles. I don't know how they say... You know, God, if you just get me in the pearly gates, I'll be fine. No, the Lord has promised life and life more abundantly for us because it's by faith and that we all, like these little children, just need to run and throw up our arms and let him scoop us up. And as we trust him, he will empower us by his spirit. So, Lord, I just ask that you touch each person here tonight. God, if they're struggling, God, let your truth be made known to them. God, that the righteousness of Christ is found in you, and it's by faith. God, encourage them, Lord, I pray. God, search our hearts right now. Is there anything, God, that we are trying to walk our Christian life by the works of the law? Are there requirements that we have put on ourselves that we must do this or we must do this or we're failures? 
God, I pray tonight that we'll surrender those things to you, that we won't be like Alethea and dangle by our feet. God, but we'll reach up and wrap our arms around your neck. And I just thank you, Lord. God, I thank you in Jesus' name. I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Would anyone like prayer tonight? Pastors here? Anybody? All right. Thank you, guys. Amen. Wasn't that good? Thank you, Kim, for for leading us tonight. Um, next week, let's see, I'm trying to figure who's next week. Mr. Derek is next week. Look forward to that. Um, the last Wednesday of the month, we're going to have a little something. I think they're coming up with a catchy name for it, but I don't want to reveal that catchy name yet. But we're going to have a good time of finger foods and fellowship and some singing. Does that sound good? And uh, it's going to be a great time. So that's the last uh, Wednesday of this month. Once again, keep us uh, in your prayers. We travel this week to Honduras. We're really, um, there's some great things that we're looking forward to being a part of and doing. Um, ask your prayer specifically for the school um, I'll be meeting with the National Overseer of Honduras um, Wednesday of next week and uh, meeting with the, the board of the school we're trying to make some uh, decisions and directional changes for the school to, to hopefully have a stronger uh, establishment in the end so just be praying for, for me uh, as I work with that team to, to fulfill that role God is good, isn't he? Man, what an awesome God we serve. And isn't he so gracious to us? I mean, aren't you glad that, um, that he made a way where there was no way? He made a way. And uh, I think that was greatly displayed tonight. God bless you guys. Um, appreciate all you guys. You guys are amazing. Love somebody. Uh, encourage somebody. Shake somebody's hand. Let them know you're glad to see them tonight. God bless you guys.